So um, let me just tie this together. We've got a brand new um, December series that we're kicking off today because it's the first Sunday of December. And so I had asked him to sing White Christmas. Let me tell you the, the, the method behind the unexpected Christmas playlist. So these are songs. I don't know if you're like this or not, but Christmas season comes around. You're listening to, like, you know, Christmas 104.7. Songs come on. You don't care who's in the car. You're singing, right? And we sing Christmas songs. I heard some of you singing along with them. I had the words up on the screen. Even if the words hadn't been there, you would have probably been singing anyway. The whole reason behind this, this, this unexpected Christmas playlist is to take some of these songs that we sing all the time and, and start to help us see how they can actually point to the gospel. So that the next time you're in the car and you're singing White Christmas, you're like, huh, that's a, I love that song, but I didn't think about it. it points to this part of the gospel. Now, White Christmas, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a nut for Christmas. I love Christmas. I want to experience like the Hallmark Christmas, right, where it's cold and it's snowing, and like they were killing that song, and we're sitting here, and it's tropical, right? Like it's warm in the house today. We're looking outside. It's like not snowing. So White Christmas is going to help us deal with disappointment because every winter, every Christmas, I want to have a White Christmas. And here's what I found. White Christmases in the Charlotte metro region happen once every 33.75 years. That means every 32.75 years, I'm going to be disappointed. And once every 33.75 years, I'm going to be like, sweet. And I mean, white Christmas is not like it snows a little bit, right? Because we have, I mean, we don't even know what to do with snow. Right? With snow flurries, we don't know what to do. Like, call off school because there's a chance of snow. Somebody wakes up that morning and scratches their head dandruff, and we're like, oh, call off school, right? We, white Christmas is when it snows. Is there anybody here that's from the north? I mean, we love you. We love you, right? It's good to be from, it's, it's, a, it's great. So you know what white Christmases are like. We don't have a clue. If it snows like two inches, we're shutting down for a week, right? And, um, I have family that lived in Ohio for a little bit, and their first Christmas, their first winter in Ohio, it like snowed in October, and it was gone in April. We would shut down, like, you know, no milk, no bread, nothing. Just we'd starve to death, right? So white Christmas means it has to snow and it has to accumulate. The last white Christmas we had here was 2010. I was surprised by that. I, did, I, don't, I don't remember it. Does anybody remember 2010, White Christmas? I don't, I don't remember that at all, which is surprising because I want them so desperately, and apparently we had one seven years ago, and I've already forgotten. In the years that they've been keeping track, which is like somewhere between 130, 135 years since they've been keeping track of weather um, and records, we've had four White Christmases in this area. That's it. So the idea behind the Unexpected Christmas Playlist is if we're, if we're dreaming of a white Christmas, I've kind of given up hope of that. I'm dreaming of just like a cold Christmas. I'll take a cold Christmas, right? Like not 68 and sunny, but maybe like in the 40s. Just feel like Christmas. If we're dreaming of a white Christmas, the truth of the matter is we're going to have to learn to deal with disappointment. So this morning, white Christmas reminds us that in this life there is disappointment. We have got to learn how to deal with disappointment. You kind of see how that works? Uh, just to kind of whet your appetite a little bit, next week we're going to do Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. And that's going to help us learn um, why bad things happen, right? Why do bad things happen um, unless Grandma was mean and then, like, maybe that's not a bad thing. I don't know. But I'm going to assume that she was a nice person who got run over by a reindeer. And so next week we'll, 
We'll talk about that, and I bet you're already excited about hearing our team sing that song, right? You'll want to definitely bring some friends back for that. So this morning we're going to talk about disappointment. I'm going to break it into two parts, just two simple parts. Here's number one. We're going to talk about, like, what causes disappointment, and then we're going to talk about what can we do about disappointment, okay? So let's just talk about what causes disappointment. I went super, super, super scientific this week, and Friday I put a post on Facebook asking what are some common causes of disappointment? And here are some of the answers. Um, lies, trust, hypocrisy, comparing ourselves with others, trying to control everything, sin, lack of communication, selfishness, pride. I love the fact that I asked on Facebook what are some causes of disappointment, and somebody's answer was Facebook which I totally agree with, hidden agendas, not trusting God. And before I share with you the most popular answer, let me tell you my favorite one, and I can so relate to this. Somebody put on in their comment that what causes disappointment is when the ice cream machine at McDonald's is down. <laughs> I don't know about you, man, but when I'm, when I'm, I never seem to crave McDonald's milkshakes in the daytime. But somewhere around 10.30-ish, especially on a Sunday when I've preached twice and my throat's a little bit scratchy, I was like, you know, baby, you know what make this, what make this today this great? She's like, what? A McDonald's milkshake. Because like some places you get a milkshake, you put a straw in it and you start to suck this and it's like, you can't get anything to come. McDonald's milkshakes, they're the right consistency. Usually you can get all three flavors in one right, because they don't always stir it up really well. Um, so you kind of get strawberry vanilla and chocolate somewhere in there. They have that whipped cream on top, right? Am I making you want one right now? They got the cherry. It, it comes out through the straw, and, like, it gets to the bottom, and you, you make that whole <laughs> slurpy noise that people hate, but you don't care because it's so good. You're just like, <laughs> you're thinking, deal with it, deal with it, right, because it's so good. Pop the top off, get that cherry in there. It's good. And, and so when I pull up, I live in New London, so when I drive from New London, I'm making it sound like it's a long journey, but when you really want the milkshake, right, I drive from New London all the way into New London, Albemarle area, like right there, North Albemarle. So I drive in, and I, I, order, I was like, what do you want? I, I order it. I just want a, a large, got to go large, large chocolate milkshake. And it just seems like every other time, the nice person on the other end of that intercom is like, oh, I'm sorry, sir, but our, our ice cream machine is down. Really? Now you might, you might be here and you may work at that McDonald's and it may literally actually be down, but I'm pretty sure you cleaned it early because you want to go home and you don't want to serve me a milkshake. And it's just like the disappointment is like, oh, man, like that's real. I mean, first world struggles, I know, but that's real, right? Like when you want the milkshake and it's not there. But the most common reason that we struggle with disappointment is expectations, Right? You already know this stuff. I'm not going to have to talk about point one very long because we already know these things. Expectations. So unmet expectations, unrealistic expectations. Here's an unrealistic expectation. When I was growing up, um, my sister's here. She can, um, she can say this is true. I started working out when I was um, going to college, and I was convinced of two things. One, I was going to become the next uh, Mr. America. 
you could tell I got close. I was very, very close. Um, I actually have in one of my, I don't know why you're laughing, in, um, in one of my Bibles I have Philippians 4.13, which says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have that highlighted, and I have written next to it, M-A for J-C, because I knew I was going to be Mr. America for Jesus Christ. There was no doubt about it. I used to, like, get tape measures out and measure my arms, and then I, I just gave up because nothing really changed. So I moved from that unrealistic expectation to thinking I was going to play in the NFL. And I really believed it. That also didn't happen, right? Unrealistic expectations. It's amazing. When you have unrealistic expectations, how much disappointment you have to struggle with. How about unspoken, right? We don't even say them. I just, we just expect certain things. This happens in marriage all the time. Well, just in relationship, not just marriage. In relationships, we have, we have them up here. We try to send them, right, telepathically, and then they don't get met. And it causes disappointment. So when I ask the question, of course, everybody's got all kinds of answers because all of us struggle with disappointment, do we not? All of us experience that in our lives. And I want to say this morning in four different areas, okay, four different areas that we struggle with disappointment. Here they are. If you're taking notes, no particular order. Um, we struggle with disappointment with God, with others, with ourselves, and with our circumstances. Those are the four areas that we struggle with disappointment. Now, I am not going to take any time at all to convince you that we get disappointed with others or with ourselves or with our circumstances. We all know that happens. So let's just talk for a brief moment about God, okay? Because when I say to you, a lot of us struggle with disappointment with God, you might think, I don't think you can do that. I think if you struggle with that, like, he'll kill you. I don't think you can say that out loud or even think that you feel it. That's like a taboo thing. I want to show you in Scripture that you actually can be disappointed in God. There are seasons when we go through things with God, and, and He disappoints us. And it can feel weird to say it, but you need to know it's okay to feel it, all right? Now, we'll talk in a minute about what to do about it. But um, you don't have to turn to it if you don't want to, but just jot down Jonah. If you're, um, if you're not familiar with the story of Jonah, it's in the Old Testament. It's four chapters long. We're not going to read all that today, but let me just show you the first the first few verses in chapter 4. Chapter 4 of Jonah starts like this. Verse 1, but to Jonah this seemed very wrong and he became angry. Now, when you read the first verse of a chapter and that's it, what do you have to do? Why is he so mad? So you got to go back to chapter 3 and figure out what in the world is going on. So here's what we'll find out in a nutshell. God sends Jonah to this place called Nineveh because it's full of people that are called Ninevites, right? So, and, and he does not like the Ninevites. Um, I don't know who your rival would be, like who you would say is a, is a people group that you just don't care if they're ever saved. I mean, if you're a blue devil, then you don't like the Tar Heels and vice versa, right? So we could go with that. Um, but whoever it is that you don't like, he didn't like the Ninevites. And so when God told him to go preach to the Ninevites and tell them to repent or God was going to kill them, when he finally did go, he really wanted God to kill him. Like, have you ever told somebody good news and like on the inside you're kind of like, I really hope they don't listen to this because I'd like for their life to be a train wreck. No, you've never thought that because you're a nice person. But Jonah, because he was real and honest, not like you, like he felt that, right? He's like, I'm going to tell them to repent, but I really hope they don't. And what we find out at the end of chapter 3 is these big, bad Ninevites repented. And because they repented, God did not destroy them. And that's why Jonah's mad. What I want you to see is that Jonah was disappointed with God. He had an expectation. 
Well, if I go and I'm obedient and I tell them to repent and they don't, then God will kill them, and I sure hope that happens. I mean, how jacked up are we if we hope somebody else is destroyed? But that's exactly what he wanted. But what we find out is that he had an unrealistic expectation of God, and verse 2 says this. He prayed to the Lord and said, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish because he'd run away. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate. I knew that you were slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And he knew that God was going to give them mercy if they repented. He still hoped that he wouldn't. So I don't know things that you may have hoped for in your life that have caused you to be disappointed with God. I know my brother struggled with cerebral palsy. He struggled um, in a lot of ways. And I can, we saw so many people lay hands on him and pray. And every time they say, amen, you kind of open your eyes and go, is he going to be different? Never saw him healed. Now, that's disappointment after disappointment after disappointment with God. It's okay to be in that place and feel that. Jonah felt that. Okay? So if you're here this morning and you've got some things going on in your life and you're struggling with God, like, come on, God, that's not fair. I don't understand. It's okay to be disappointed with God, right? It's okay to be there. It's just not okay to stay there. So let's do this. Let's take the rest of our time and talk about how to deal with disappointment. All of us know that disappointment's going to happen, right? It's a part of life. So let's talk about how to deal with it from a scriptural standpoint, okay? So this is going to be an acrostic. Acrostic is a really fancy word for Paul can't remember things unless they spell other words, okay? So um, this is going to spell the word deal. So if you're taking notes, you can just write down D-E-A-L, and here's four specific things you can do when you're facing disappointment, okay? And then when it spells deal, see, now you can just tell people, deal with it. Just deal with it. And this is what you'll be talking about, okay? Here we go. So, D, when you start to face disappointment, the first thing that we need to do is do what you know. Sometimes when we are disappointed, we get all, we spiral downward about things that we can't control, right? We start to think about all things we can't do. Well, if I had, then I would. Well, if I could, then I would. But what you, the first step is just do what you know, okay? Scripturally, just jot down Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we find a man named Zechariah. He's got a wife named Elizabeth, and he's a priest, okay? So he's like the version of me back in that day. And he has, the priest would have to go into like the temple area, and they have to like make sacrifices and all this kind of stuff, do all this priestly work, But what we know is before Luke chapter 1, there were 400 years of waiting. 400 years when God was quiet. He wasn't saying nothing, right? They were doing all these things, and he wasn't saying anything. We talk about waiting 33.75 years for a white Christmas. They were waiting 400 years. But what we find is Luke chapter 1, verse 6, it says both of them, the husband and the wife, both were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Even though they were disappointed, not only were they disappointed because God wasn't speaking, but we also see that they were childless. And in that culture, to have no children was a curse. So they had all kinds of reasons to be disappointed. Would you agree? All kinds of reasons. And yet they were still faithfully doing what they knew to do. Okay? Practical example. And then we'll move on to, to E. I, don't, I just don't, I don't understand the Bible. I, 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 I don't understand it. I'm, I try. I'm disappointed. I, I, I read it. God doesn't say anything to me. Like Paul gets up and preaches, and he talks about this verse, and I'm like, I never would have seen that. I don't get it. I can't get anything out of this. 
So you have two choices, right? You have two choices. Because disappointment is what, is what we experience when we expect something, but we, but we experience something different, right? So it's that gap between expectation and experience. I expect to read the Bible and understand it, but my experience is I'm not. So you can chunk the Bible and never read it again, or you can make sure you get a, a translation that you understand and continue to do what you know and trust that at some point, as I continue to do what I know, God's going to show up. He's going to speak to me, and he will. We'll see that in just a minute. E. So we do what we know, and in E, we encourage our soul. Encourage your soul. Like, what does, that, what does that even mean, Paul? I thought that's why I came to church. I come to church so that you can encourage my soul. And, and I, I do hope that when I preach, it encourages you. I hope you leave today and, like, your head's a little bit higher and your chest is out and your shoulders are back. And you're like, yes, that's exactly what I needed. But it's not my job to encourage your soul, right? You have got to learn how, we have got to learn how to encourage our own souls, okay? So let me give you two really quick ways to encourage your soul. They're both found in Psalm 42, so Psalm 42, here's what the psalmist writes. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? Do you hear the disappointment in those three verses? Man, I'm, I'm hungry for you. I'm panting for you. I'm disappointed. People are, my friends are going, ha, where is your God? I mean, that's a bad place to be. And so here's what he says, um, verse 5, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Verse 6, why, my soul, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan. Let me just give you two out of the, out of verses 5 and 6, two things you can do to encourage your soul. Number one, remember what God has done for you. It's like, why is my soul so downcast? Well, I'm going to remember what God did for me. And then he says, I'm going to yet praise you. Like we, we remember what God did for us, and then we worship God for who he is. I'll tell you this. If you, would, if you did two things this week, you would see your life turn around in the area of disappointment. If you just did two things, if you just took the time to remember and write down the things that God's done for you in the past. Because sometimes we just focus on what he's not doing right now, and we forget all the things he's done in the past. And then worship him for who he is. Like, God, if you never gave me anything else, if you never did anything else for me, I know that you will, but if you never did, you're still worthy of my praise. If we just did those two things, disappointment would be totally different in our lives. Totally different. Psalms is a great place to read. If you're looking for quiet time material, man, just start reading the book of Psalms, okay? I don't want to, I don't want to um, offend you. Sometimes I can just say things without a filter, and I'm not very pastoral, but I'm just going to say it like we can talk. Is that cool if I just reel with you? Here's, this is a summary of Psalms. Almost every Psalm you'll ever read starts like this. This sucks. But in the past, God, you've done this. This is going to get better. That's basically how every Psalm works. It's crazy, isn't it? He's just like... I, these people want to kill me, and I don't, want, I don't want to do, and this sucks. But, God, in the past, you've protected me. You've kept me. You've done all these things. And so I know in the future you're going to do that. It's going to get better. That's your basic outline of every psalm. You're looking for something real in the Bible, start there, right? And what we learn is when we're, de when we're dealing with disappointment, we do what we know, and then we encourage our own soul. Listen, soul, I get it. Like, you're weighed down. I get it. But don't forget all the things God has done for me in the past. 
And because of that, we can worship him. He's going to be faithful in the future. Okay, here's A. So D-E-A. A is allow others in. I don't know about you. I can only speak for me. But when I am really struggling with disappointment, when I'm really struggling with my, with my emotions, I tend to want to close the blinds, turn the lights off, and sit at a piano in the dark and not have anybody over, okay? I'm, it's just kind of how I'm wired. But what I've learned is if I do that, then I have separated myself from all the help that I need, right? Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says this. Um, a lot of us will be able to relate to the first part. It says anxiety weighs down the heart. Now, I don't know where you are on the anxiety scale. Um, some of us are, you know, I'm a little anxious that the Panthers might lose. But some of us are like, Dude, I can't even get out of bed. I mean, I, that's real, okay? That's real. And the Bible is clear. I love the Bible does not hide it. It weighs down the heart. If you've ever really struggled with anxiety, it just pulls you down, right? But a kind word cheers it up. So let me ask you this question. When we're really anxious, we're really disappointed, and we start to feel weighed down, the Bible says what helps us is a kind word. Who does the kind word come from? Somebody else, right? I mean, I don't know how you are when, like when I'm really struggling with anxiety or, or, or discouragement, I tend to want to listen to songs that don't make me feel better. It's, it's, I'm, the only, I'm so sad. I'm going to listen to a sad song, right? It's like, that's not going to help at all. So like somewhere outside of you has to come a voice with a kind word, right? So there's got to be, there's other people in this verse, we, we, again, we talk about community all the time here because we need other people in our lives. So when you're going through a discouraging time, and some of you are right now and some of you aren't, but I can guarantee you give it a couple of weeks and that will totally flip, and those of you that aren't right now will be, and those of you that are won't be, and that's the way God intended it because this allows all of us to encourage one another. So you could walk into the gathering one Sunday, and you could have a word, a verse, that really builds somebody else up. And if we're not a part of what God's doing together in the community, then we miss out on that. A lot of people are weighed down by anxiety because they're staying separated. You want to deal with disappointment? A, allow other people to come in. L, last one. Look for the purpose. and Look for the promise. Pick the P word that you like and put it in there. They're both pretty much going to say the same thing. Psalm 130, uh, I'll read this to you quickly. Let's just listen to, again to David as he's writing. Listen to the discouragement. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? Again, here's the but. So you see how this works? The first three verses are like, this sucks. And here's the but. But with you there's forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. And then the rest of the psalm is going to be, because of that, it's going to get better. Listen to what he says, how he starts to turn, right, how he starts to turn. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. In his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for the Lord is unfailing. With the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Verse 8, he himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Listen. D-E-A-L, look for the promise. When you're disappointed, 
you had an expectation of somebody and they keep letting you down, you check yourself, okay, is that expectation, is it, is it good? Is it real? Like we're, on the, we're in the Christmas season, the holiday season. Some of us have these amazing expectations of the best present we could ever receive. Right? Do you ever get that? Oh, man, this is, I saw it, and this would be the best. And so we don't write it down and, like, hand deliver a note to the people that are going to give us gifts. Again, we just telepathically let them know. When I was on the plane, I saw it in the Sky Mall catalog. It would be awesome. But we never tell them, right? I mean, this is, this is the season, listen, of disappointment. We've kind of made light about white Christmases and no snow, but listen, this is, a, this is a real season of disappointment. There are people in this room right now who are facing unemployment in December, who are facing memories of people who have gone on and are no longer walking the planet in December. This is a tough time. This, we, we get excited about the season, but it's a season of disappointment for a lot of people. It's real. It's real. And if we are not careful, we will get in that place and we'll start to think, God will never do it. He's never going to come through. But we've got to look for the promise. What David said was every time you talk about redemption in the Old Testament, it always points to the cross, right? So what is David saying? He's saying, Israel, listen to me. Listen, I know we're in a bad place, but he will redeem us. He is going to redeem us. We're going to look for the promise, We're not going to keep looking at what has not happened. We're going to look for what he's going to do, and he will come through. Now, that's good preaching, right? That's really good preaching. But you're like, I don't know how to to relate to that. I mean, you're talking about David. He's a king. Like, he wrote psalms. He played a harp. I don't do any of that stuff. How do I relate to a manly man playing a harp? It makes no sense to me at all. So what I've done is I've brought for you a clip of somebody that I think you can relate to. And I want you to see, just listen as he gives his testimony about just watch and listen for how he is D-E-A-L-ing, right? How he's dealing with disappointment. And then I'll come back and we'll wrap it up. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, 1982. And my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. Uh, He answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. (laughs) And no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on, and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter, Jesus said, It was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? 
in front of everyone. She came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear. No one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it, it changed my life. At that moment, I knew God was ministering to her through me. It's not by my speech or my power, it was God. And my heart was ignited with a passion. And it was an awesome day to see one soul transformed forever. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist. until you give God your broken pieces. And I want you to know when you fall down, God's grace is sufficient. God's hand will come down and pick you up. Give me the strength to get back up. In the first seven years of ministry, God opened up doors for me to speak 2,000 times across 44 countries on six continents from university campuses, 40,000 students in China, to India, where we're talking to sex slaves, to crowds in the jungle of India, 110,000 people, down to Indonesia and all of Southeast Asia, to speaking at congresses of nations like Colombia and Costa Rica, where you see the leaders of that nation commit that country to the Lord Jesus, to Korea and speaking to the next generation about depression and suicide, and to Eastern Europe, where we did Serbia, Slovenia, and Croatia. Then doors in the Middle East, the message of hope was spread throughout the whole Arab world. That is God. And we know we've just begun. By the grace of God, we have seen face-to-face -face a half a million souls say yes to Jesus and be plugged into a local church. As crazy as it sounds, our goal at Life Without Limbs Ministry is to preach to every single soul on the planet, seven billion people. We believe that this goal is possible as the Holy Spirit is gathering an army and building up supporters to send us and accomplish this mission. Powerful. The answer to real disappointment is real hope. I, I, we're going to wrap this up. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Um, I, I'm not going to preach there long. I just want you to see the verses that I'm going to read to you. Romans chapter 5. Um, here's what Paul writes. He says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This is the hope we have in Jesus. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Now listen, let me just pause there. What you just watched was a testimony of a man who could have just thrown his life away, but instead he said there's got to be a reason, Right? Look for the purpose. There's got to be a reason that I'm going through what I'm going through. There's got to be a reason I don't have arms and legs. I don't know what it is, but there's got to be a reason. So I do what I can do. I stand on a platform and I share my testimony until one day a girl hugs me and changes my life with what she says. And I found my purpose. 
He said, because he found his purpose, he said, I glory in my sufferings, just like Paul, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. Verse 5, listen, and hope does not put us to shame. Some translations say this, and hope does not disappoint. You struggle with disappointment, hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can I just tell you this? Christmas is when we celebrate Jesus coming to earth to save us from sin. Now, nobody sends Christmas cards that say, Merry Christmas, sinner, right? But maybe we should because the best news at this time of year is that we have a God who came to rescue us from our sins. So your big idea today, okay, and a big idea for me is um, it's like this is what I hope that you remember as you leave today, okay? So we deal with disappointment by remembering his appointment, okay? Kind of cheesy, but just work with me, right? What is an appointment? It's an appointment to see the dentist, to see the doctor. It's like I'm going to go do something. Jesus came here with an appointment, and his appointment was the cross for us. That's why he came. He said, I get it. This is a world full of disappointment, but I'm going to step into that disappointing world because I have an appointment on a cross to pay for the sin that causes these gaps in what we expect and what we experience. And not only does he have an appointment on the cross for us, but check this out. I love this. Because he kept his appointment, saves us, and then what does that do for our lives? Now we have an appointment. We have a purpose. Like that's, what, that's what Nick was talking about in that video. Like, I've got a purpose. I'm going to share the gospel with everybody on the planet. That's my purpose. That's the promise God made for me, to me. So when we're dealing with disappointment, that L is so critical that we look for the promise. We look for the purpose. God, what is the purpose of this in my life? And that's how we deal with disappointment. You can turn to people and say, like, just deal with it, right? Just deal with it. And it's not a mean thing to say. What you're saying is do what you know. Encourage your soul. Allow others in. Look for the promise. Look for the purpose. Now, look, and here, this morning, here's how I want to end. I just want to pray for those of us that are in the room that are struggling in this area, right? We know the disappointment's real, okay? There's always gaps between what we expect and what we experience. And so what we typically do is we shove disappointment into that gap. But what I want to do this morning is, man, I want you to shove the encouragement of the gospel in that gap. I want you to let the hope of Jesus fill that gap, okay? I don't know when he answers. I don't know when it ends, but I know that it will end because his promise is that it will. So if you're here this morning, just eyes closed, heads bowed, and you're like, you know, I am struggling with disappointment right now in my life. Man, I... I got a message between services from somebody that was in the first service, and they said, you would not believe how that was a timely message for me. I stepped in that service struggling with disappointment, and everything that happened in the service, God was just speaking to me like, you got this. I've got you. I've got you. And you're here today, and that's you, and you need the hope of Jesus. This morning, you're struggling with disappointment. 
Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want you to, would, you, would you pray for me this morning? Thank you so much. All over the room, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you so much. We're just going to close this morning in prayer. And then those of you that are praying, I'm going to ask you, um, man, just let, let us know, right, when service is over. If you want to stop by the VIG table, if we can continue to pray for you, if there's resources that we can give you, if part of your, your prayer this morning is to follow Jesus, for the first time, man, let us know that. We'd love to help you, okay? Let's just pray right now. Father, uh, all these hands that, that were raised, they're all attached to a heart. They're all part of a life that is dealing with disappointment. I'm so thankful that I don't serve a God who makes me feel bad for feeling bad. I'm glad I serve a God who does something about it. And I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you sent Jesus into a, a a world that was dealing with disappointment, hurting. And because of his faithfulness to the cross, that's what this is all about. We celebrate the baby, but he grew up and he paid a price for our salvation. Because he was faithful to that, our lives have purpose. And I pray for everyone that raised their hands that they would see the promise, they would look for that promise, and that you would fill them with boldness and confidence and courage to know to know that Jesus is our hope. In your name, Jesus, amen.